The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Questions of the Force. We get questions from listeners, and we get answers, sometimes from our souls, and sometimes from the internet. And hopefully, <laughs> the two can mix. Mm-hmm. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck. Just happy to be here today. I don't, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to answer these questions now, I guess. But uh, no, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be uh, answering the cues of the force. Yeah, I just distracted myself with uh, combining internet with souls. Uh, it's like the, the truth is sometimes we answer from the heart of the, what these questions are. And then sometimes we double check answers. And then yeah. I just started imagining some sort of weird uh, Frankenstein's monster story where some mad scientist mm. is like, I can put my soul into the internet. Uh, it's so funny though. You're making me think of the many years now we're in like our seventh year of doing this. Um, and how there's times where I'm like, I don't know, I'll just press record and see what, see what comes into my brain and how I've moved so far away from that because I can't remember half the things I see in star Wars anymore. So I do sit down and Frankenstein it all together. (laughs) I Frankenstein it together. So let's see what our internet souls have to say today. Uh, first we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by audible, get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone and Android Kindle or MP3 player or any other device that you can make play an audio book. This week, we are continuing to recommend a book that we did a very deep, deep dive into last week, and that is Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. Uh, Adam Christopher was uh, very kind to retweet uh, our deep dive into Shadow of the Sith and be very uh, kind about the review. So if you're curious about the book, and the review. You can, of course, listen to both. If you want to listen to the book, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. One more time, audibletrial.com slash force center free audiobook. Ken, any thoughts? I know it's always uh, fun to, you know, get any kind of uh, attention from someone that created uh, any part of Star Wars. We, we appreciate that. No lie there. But it was particularly fun that Adam Christopher actually uh, took to our David Bowie jokes uh, and David Bowie references that just, uh, you know, tugged on my music loving heart yeah no i mean it was a real honest (laughs) honest compliment of the the book that uh don't want to spoil it a very pulpy scene at the end (laughs) reminded me of the title of a david bowie song and you uh sung a couple of fake bars and uh all weekend i have had a song that doesn't exist stuck in my head (laughs) i've had an earworm (laughs) and again don't want to spoil it so i'm not going to sing it but uh, uh, wait a minute so yeah i no joke yesterday out in the backyard with the the chihuahuas was singing it singing the song we made up maybe we should go into songwriting or david bowie cover band songwriting stuff i don't know i was that's hilarious you say that yeah it's, it's uh, yeah and maybe there is some tune that you sang it to that exists know. that's very deep in my soul and the internet who knows anyway Point is, Shadow of the Sith, we enjoyed it. We talked about it a lot. Give it a listen. Apparently some real interesting choices uh, in the audiobook that some uh, followers uh, in uh, Twitter friends uh, let us know about, that there's some fun uh, voice accent choices. So check out the audiobook, Shadow of the Sith. All right, we are going to move on to our actual question, our cues of the force. We have two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. And I'm going to say right away, hey, 
If you like Jawas, boy, is this episode for you. We had two great Jawa questions, and I yes. put them both in. Uh, we're starting with Jawas. We're going to Twitter, and uh, this is from Twitter user Hegason1. Uh, Hegason says, love the show, you three. Quick question. Do you think the Jawas just turn up randomly with their droids, or have you got to book in a slot? <laughs> mm. Side thought, do you think Obi was up on his cliff watching when R2 in 3PO arrived? Maybe he forced Snipes R5-D4 to set things in motion. Uh, Hegason, of course, referring to the bad motivator that allows R2 to be purchased by Luke and Owen. And uh, the fact that uh, Obi-Wan at least did at one point have a cave that kind of overlooked things. Seems like he moved out, but... Who knows? The story of Star Wars is always in motion. Uh, Ken, l- let's go first to just the big picture. How do you buy things from a Jawa? What do you think is the actual setup? I think Jawas can be booked if you know one like Tika. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have that relationship, like Pelimoto can definitely book some Jawas to come on by, either pick <laughs> up, sell. Um, I-, I think if you know your way around, you treat them right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. now, now Tika, there's, it's a little bit of a give and take, and maybe he takes more than he gives. But you know, I think there's some respect there. I think he understands it. Pelimoto, you know, there we know there's some history there, so they have a different view of her. I think that's one of the key things. But I think in general, it's not unlike I don't know how it is wherever you are living, where you're listening to this podcast. But in L.A., uh, L.A. County, it, it's not unlike putting metal items on your front lawn, and then magically a shady dude with a pickup truck shows up and grabs it. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> it's amazing, uh, and uh, I I, uh, I think uh, I think that's kind of how I view uh, view the Jawas. They're there, uh, but if you need them, you got to form a relationship with them. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly make a Jawa appear just by you know leaving I- any equipment out, and they'll take it right. So there's the there's mm-hmm. the Jawa collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the Jawa purchase of like I really I hey I need a droid right. Uh, going back to that scene in Star Wars: A New Hope, yeah. I, I think. The main thing that I think of is Owen and Luke seem aware that they're coming, right? Like maybe yes. maybe there's some deleted version of the script <laughs> that shows us how Owen and Luke become aware or how far in advance are they aware that mm-hmm. there's going to be an option to purchase droids. Um, so I, I, that's where I start is Owen and Luke seem aware. The question is, are they aware? Like Hegason is asking, like it's the third Thursday of the month. Mm-hmm. The Jawas make their rounds to all the moisture farms and they're going to be out there. Or is it like that they set this up, right? Is there like flares, right? Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that Owen sends off a flare and yeah. the, it's, it's the, uh, I, I'm ready to make a purchase, you know, or, or do the Jawas send up flares that like, hey, we'll be around tomorrow afternoon. And it is like just a flare shot up into the sun on Tatooine that is kind of the Jawa version of like a giant gorilla balloon for a furniture sale of like (laughs) (laughs) something large. So everyone can see a purchase Mm. opportunity is coming or Mm. is it not that much of advanced warning at all? Is it really just like, this is a part of the day that at, you know, high noon you you use the macro binoculars and you look out and you see if they're coming. Uh, Mm. And final thought on this, what I want it to be, I don't think it's this, but what I want it to be is that sand crawlers are like ice cream trucks and they play a little song. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and it just echoes 
echoes mm. through the sandy dunes of Tatooine. Mm. And is it that Owen knew for like a, a month that this is their regular time? Did he see a sign, a flare go up the night before? Or was he just finishing grumping about his breakfast, just pulling on his robes, and he heard <laughs> the ice cream yeah. truck noise like, yeah. ah, I need a droid. <laughs> I need a new droid for the binary uh, load lifter or the, the, the uh, moisture evaporator. Um I love this. First of all, um, speaking to what we were saying earlier, like going with the soul or uh, looking on the internet, uh, uh, I was trying to research my thoughts here, put them all in order, but I forgot, as you were discussing uh, this question, Joseph, as a kid, I did assume exactly what you described, that it was like a Thursday, and it was like part of the rotation. It was just part of life on Tatooine. The job was go out and collect stuff. If you're going to need them, you, you can't go to town easily. They come to you. As a seven, eight, nine, ten year old, that's just kind of what I assumed. Yeah, and it kind of seemed like yeah, they've definitely been to uh, the the Lars Homestead before and know mm-hmm. that what the Lars Homestead might be interested in is droids, right? So they march the droids out. They're not showing any other really uh, wares, yeah. you know. Uh, and and I, one of the small moments in that scene and in New Hope that I just love is it seems like they have. A relationship and they are these kind of traveling used car salesmen because when the motivator the bad motivator goes off and no one's like hey what are you trying to yeah. pull here and that jaw goes ah like <laughs> the little shoulder just like what what do you want from me you, you bought it <laughs> and it, it broke after you bought it maybe you did something wrong owen i feel like that's what that jaw was saying <laughs> which could make that jaw a tika that could be tika oh uh, you, it you know? was tika who said wow uh, that would be uh, extremely <laughs> thrilling to me. I totally agree with you with Tika. I think Tika is an entirely different thing. Like I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's, you know, sort of bias of the way that uh, I perceived the Jawas, but it seems like this is their their deal. Certain sand crawlers, certain communities of Jawas are like, this is our territory, these moisture farms around this area, and we roll on the first Thursday of the month to, to each one or each one is mm-hmm. on a certain day or whatever. And this is basically like, you don't have to come to our superstore. We'll bring our superstore to you. But yeah. Tika's like, it, it so fits with, with Obi-Wan hiding, but it also fits with Obi-Wan being a little bit more, you know, elegant and precise that he's yeah. hired a private shopper. <laughs> like yes. he's gone out and he's found like a Jawa who is, you know, rolls with his sand crawler and saying like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to roll up with a sand crawler and show me a bunch of random stuff. I'll give you a list and you will personally shop for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. I love that look. Yeah. Uh, take, you know, it's funny. You make me think, gosh, this is truly a Java episode. I love that, you know, 3PO doesn't have a positive view in the short amount of time uh, he remembers spending with them because I'm sure he spent some more time with them uh, uh, in between Phantom Menace Attack the Clones. But, um, uh, the, the, that, that, uh, when they pull into Moss Isley and he's just like, ah, oh, Jawas, I can't abide Jawas. <laughs> just like, <laughs> calm down there, 3PO. All right. Let's <laughs> treat some people nice. But also you probably uh, didn't enjoy your time with them. I, I just love the little, a lot of Jawa humor and a new hope. It really is. It's one of the things that absolutely like builds out the great world building of that very first film. Yeah. Um, let's go to the second part of Hegason's question here. Do you think that uh, Obi-Wan was, could have been involved in any way? Obviously, we, I think this question came in before the end of the Kenobi show where we saw Obi-Wan making the choice to move away from the cave uh, toward mm. the future and what we know will probably be the hut. So there's, there's that element to it. Uh, there's also been lots of different uh, R5-D4 stories uh, of, you know, different, uh, both legends and canon 
of mm-hmm. adding something more to that that bad motivator. What do you think about this idea of uh, Obi Wan being involved in it? It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to uh, you know, based on what we saw at the end of the show, he's probably not around as much, which is also part of him just kind of letting that go in a way. Luke's going to become Luke, and I'll be around. But but also that does kind of make sense that if he sensed any kind of, I don't even say disturbance, but just there's a ripple. Uh, I could see him kind of being around. Um, and that's why he knows R2 rolls off later, right? Because he's he's right around the corner of that Krat Dragon call, right? He's mm-hmm. he's kind of waiting. But again, he could have just sensed a, a ripple. And you mentioned, yeah, I struggle a little bit with the R5 story from a certain point of view. But I, I do think it's a great little story and it makes R5 an absolute hero. Uh, for those not super familiar with it, I won't spoil the details. But basically, R5 kind of makes a decision to do this, to um, let R2 go on with his mission because he and R2 have spoken. And for some reason, I, I don't know, it's it's a bridge too far or something like that. I, I, I just kind of like this idea that um, uh, it, the, the forces at work in a little different way. And uh, Kenobi, to me, that at this point in his life, is kind of laying back and just kind of, uh, I don't know, just kind of let it happen. But I, I'll, I'll wrap up here, Joseph. I'm mm. over the map. I'm sorry. But even them. I don't know. It, it just say if Kenobi was there and he was kind of watching what's going on and he does have an effect on R5. You know, it almost would be like his version of messing with Watto's loaded chance cube that quite gone does. Like, I got to trust the force, but a little shove every now and then doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think for me, uh, I agree with you. There, there's the R5 stories where there's kind of something more to it. I personally just don't don't need that. I think that. I'm happy with a new hope being a story of all of these little moments of destiny came together. And that great question of is destiny just destiny or is that, you know, what characters mean when saying follow the will of the force, follow uh, what happens and how it creates opportunities for other things to happen. You know, is the fact that uh, this poor broken down droid in R5D4 just has a bad motivator. That's destiny creating an opportunity and 3PO takes it to Mm -hmm. upsell uh, you know, Luke on R2. And yeah. would have 3PO tried anyway? If R5 was a great droid, would 3PO have desperately tried to be like, but, but, but don't you like the color blue? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. and tried to upsell R2 anyway. So I'm kind of, I'm always happy with the R5D4 just being, it's a broken down droid and the motivator uh, was bad. But and then it's kind of the more larger uh, philosophical with Obi-Wan. Yeah, I think, I think Obi-Wan is at that point is, very aware of the the swirling tides of the force and maybe sensing uh that things are beginning to come together but yeah mm-hmm. I, I think he he is far away and yeah he senses uh trouble with luke and that's why he he comes out and does the great dragon call and all yeah. that but yeah. i yeah i don't think he's in that point where he needs to set things in motion uh time yeah. is setting things in motion <laughs> time yeah the age the, the you know how much the empire is increasing their grasp, how much the galaxy is uh, resisting and pushing back how the age of Leia and Luke that they are, you know, of the age to make choices themselves. Those are all the things that are happening. They don't need a push from Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to dig it a little deeper and this is maybe beyond even the question I I've always loved. And I love even more now as we get more storytelling but when, you know, Luke's just kind of like, I don't know, this this little droid uh, says he belongs to someone named uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And just that look that Kenobi shoots over at him. We all know that look where it's just like, mm, mm-hmm. that's changed. The context of that has changed over the years. I just love where I sit with it now, where I view that as Kenobi going, oh, bleep, it's here. We're going. Game on. Game on. Yeah. And, and also just like, <laughs> it's always read that of like, oh, wow. Yeah, this isn't just Luke's wandering in the desert and got into trouble. This involves mm-hmm. me. 
you know, he was coming to me, uh, what is going on with this droid. But then with, like, the added context of not only the prequels, but the Clone Wars animated series of, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Obi-Wan knowing, like, oh, if this damn droid has something <laughs> in his mind that he's going to yeah. do, oh, man, Uh-oh. this is this is not a Tuesday for me. This is not yeah. a Thursday, I guess, or a Friday, <laughs> the day after the Jawa shopping. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we have more to say probably about Tika, which is great because when we get to our Patreon section, we have another Tika question. Uh, but for now, any other uh, questions on how you set up a time to shop with Jawas? No, but I'm open to a standalone episode, uh, just a, a an hour and a half special on Disney Plus called uh, Tika, uh, uh, The Life of a Jawa. And we get some of these answers. More on that later. Very much hoping for that. Uh, his entire own Lego show would be great. Thank you very much for the question. Hegason one, we're going to move on to a question from Ross Squatch. Uh, Ross begins with warning, morbid question ahead. Uh, <laughs> Ross goes on to say, do either of you have plans for your collection for when you become one with the force? As a wise Ken once said, age becomes real for all of us. So I was curious what will happen to the storage totes and unopened packages. Love the show. Uh, mm. well, this one is a timely one for me, as I was saying <laughs> on the new show. Uh, I spent uh, this past weekend in Minneapolis packing up uh, my, my storage uh, unit, my wife and I's storage unit, to bring all of the things we own to a new storage unit in Los Angeles. Uh, and yes, a lot of collections, uh, comic books, props from all of my uh, theater and sketch comedy days, uh, my drums, uh, but a lot of action figures mm. <laughs> looking at the sheer volume of what i have uh is really a uh, playing into this question of uh, well they are with me for a time <laughs> mm-hmm. but what happens when my time is up so uh i wanted to give my own um context that this is an extremely timely time for us to talk about this but i want to hear your thoughts on this ken mm. what do you think about uh your collection and about the future and about your yeah. own mortality. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Look, and I, first of all, I don't even remember saying that. So thank you for that Rusk watch. Uh, you know, uh, I forget when I barf out a bumper sticker idea. Uh, first thing first, I, I'm assuming she's going to be sad that I'm gone, but grace will burn them all in a fire pit with no hesitation. <laughs> it will be finally done. Um, no, 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 no. Um, you look, I'm, look, I'm planning on being around uh, for a long time, uh, you know, uh, force and, and God willing. But I am, and you and I have talked about this before, I am starting to see my relationship to things, especially Star Wars things, change slightly. Uh, I don't buy as much. I don't consume as much. I don't collect as much. And for no great big world or political stance, I just, I just find myself, uh, you know, uh, not needing it around as much anymore. Uh, just have a different relationship with it. But it, it's very, very hard for me to actually do this and do this being like part with them, separate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am looking more and more at a lot of my collection, wondering if it's time to move them on. Selling is a fine idea. Giving them away might even be better. Um, but we'll see because I, I mean, that it's truly hard. It's because as he said before in other episodes, this is our love and it's in something real, tangible. It's something you can hold on to and something you can display and say, this character provided inspiration for me in a dark time or, you know, Han on a Tauntaun represents a part of my youth. And that's why I collect mm. Han on Tauntaun. It, if, for collectors, uh, it is hard. And, and I don't ever want to treat that lightly. Uh, I think not anyone listening doesn't. Um, so there's a connection there. And I, but, I, but I am realizing there is uh, some uh, tra- tragic comedy in a, uh, you know, a storage shed full of plastic. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. What do you do with it when it's gone uh, and when you're gone? Uh, so I'm not quite there yet, um, but I'm, I'm thinking about that kind of stuff more and more. So there you go, Ross. Deeper, deeper, deeper. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, for me, the value of collecting, you know, I, I have moved away from collecting at various points in my life for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons, just wanting uh, to pare down, needing to to uh, be not have that be a part of my financial reality. Yeah. Lots of reasons I've had waves of collecting. Um, There were so many figures that I saw just briefly exploring the tip of the iceberg of the figures that I own in my storage uh, shed. Mm. And one of them was muscle bound power of the force, Darth Vader with the original long lightsaber (laughs) Mm. Mm. from 95 that my brother's girlfriend at the time gave me for Christmas. And it was so powerful to see that Vader figure. Cause like, that's the one where the second wave of collecting started for me. That's that was my first power of the force. That's where it started, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I can look at um, the Force Awakens stormtrooper I bought at Dragon Con in 2015 because that's where the new wave <laughs> right. began right. again. Um, the figures mean so much to me uh, because I enjoy collecting them because uh, I enjoy having these these uh symbols of specific uh ideas like you're talking about ken that they represent in the show or they represent uh to our lives but for me a big part of the collecting is is the the moment of getting them in why did i get them who was i with they are little symbols of these moments in my life um this weekend uh when we were back in the midwest for the the storage unit we also bopped down to uh ames iowa for a thing uh an event uh for one of my my wife's good friends, my wife uh, went to high school in Ames, Iowa. And mm-hmm. I was talking to her about, like, I want to stop at the Target in Ames. Because as a kid, when I traveled anywhere, I was excited to stop at a different Target because they might have different action figures that they don't have yeah. other places. Yeah. And she thought this was great. And we stopped in at the uh, Target in Ames. And they had this vintage collection, newer Rebel Hoth soldier. Mm. And... I have a relationship to that because my my parents bought me the Rebel Hoth soldier when I was a kid. I think they thought it was Luke on Hoth. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I always liked that figure and slightly resented it because I never got Hoth Luke in the original Kenner days. So I, I went to this yeah. Target in my one of my wife's hometowns of, of Ames, Iowa, a real nostalgic weekend, told her this whole story, and she was like, you have to buy this one. Mm. I want this memory from this trip. I want to look at that figure and remember this. Yeah. So it, it, I think that to me is a, is a part of the power of collecting is about the moment that you got them. Um, so to, to actually get back to answering <laughs> Ross's question, <laughs> I've really been aware for myself that I am a steward of these. They, they, I'm mm-hmm. not going to own them forever. And that's part of, that's one of the many reasons that I don't open them all because mm. I want someday if for, for whatever reason, the book of Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, becomes extremely rare, and 40 years from now, somebody can't believe there's still a Fennec Shan in the package. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, help with that. Um, so I really do, I'm really aware of, uh, I have a lot of figures, and I need to consider uh, how I'm handling them in my own life, uh, uh, you know, having good storage for them. Uh, having, uh, I'm thinking about ways to set up a rotating system of display so I can have some out and then cycle Ooh. them. 
so a I can enjoy them display. more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, really. And just identifying uh, places in like my apartment, like near my desk like, for like, this is for the most recent figure I bought and it stays there. <laughs> yeah, it gets a month of highlighted, you know, I, the, I recommend to myself this action figure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I jokingly suggested on a podcast and then my wife said I'd be willing to do that of setting up a subscription box for myself of figures I own. <laughs> So that my my wife could take the time to pack them up and it would be a new discovery of like, oh yeah. So she'll send it, she'll she'll drop it off at your desk. I yeah, six of, items. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like loot box, it would be like your box. You already own these things. But you get to rediscover them. That's 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 genius on so many levels because how many times you and I discuss you discussed with the new show of going back to Oh gosh, I do own that. I mean, uh, the fact that I and I said this on Ken Plume's uh, Force Five show. The fact that I bought Moff Jer Gerard from the Star Wars Saga Collection twice, not knowing I bought it the first time, I could have used U-Box. U-Box, right? You box it up and you send it to yourself and give yourself some joy. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. obviously the action figures for me are, are always a, a risk uh, for spiraling out, talking a lot about what their value is, how to handle them in the moment. But to get to Ross's actual question... Um, for me, it, it, it is absolutely, it, it's not morbid. It is natural. Uh, Star Wars helps me process that it's natural to become one with the Force. I, of course, I'm not totally at peace with it. I have a lot of anxiety. I would like to live to 100. I would like to put my brain in a computer and keep my brain going forever. Uh, I I resist uh, the natural uh, process, but I also want to find healthy ways to try to embrace it. And in that spirit, the action figure collection for me is that's part of end-of-life planning of where can these go that will provide the most joy, right? Who, whose mm-hmm. lives will be made better? You know, is there, uh, will I have anyone in my life who I, who is younger, who I know would get a lot of joy from these? Uh, is there the right uh, place to gift them uh, so that they will end up finding uh, a place uh, of joy? Um, I also really like the little free libraries. Uh, you, yep. you know about those, Ken, right? I do, uh, yeah. It, they actually, those uh, started in Minnesota, which I didn't know until recently. So there's a part of me is like, well, maybe that's something I should try to do is start a little free toy chest initiative where you're just walking down the street and people have little toy boxes you can open up and that's you can discover them there. So, yeah, I, I think for me, I haven't decided yet mm-hmm. what it is, uh, where they will go. But I know that is a part of my end of life planning is finding the very best place uh, so other people can get uh, joy from these toys. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, none of it's easy. If you're, if you're of this ilk and if you're listening to Star Wars podcast, you are of this ilk in some way, shape or form, or even t-shirts are sometimes harder to, to get, get rid of than you think, because it's not just that it says Star Wars. It's that you had it in a certain point in your life or received it in a certain point in your life, or it's a Brian Ward original and you don't want to get it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it is so hard to predict. I think that's part of the, uh, the addiction to collecting uh, mm-hmm. or the fun of it is it's hard to predict what is going to have more different meaning as time and life go on. You know, uh, something that seems really, really like this is silly uh, and is something to just, you know, it's just marketing. I found that Attack of the Clone cereal box that I've been saving for 2002. It's got the kind of weird holographic uh, quality that's got uh, uh, Obi-Wan and Django on it. And I've mentioned it mm-hmm. before on the podcast and other people have, <laughs> the listeners have kindly tweeted like, you mean this one and sent me pictures of it? And it's like, yes, and I think I still own it. And I found it this weekend and it's great. And a cereal box, right? That seems so temporary and silly. Like 
it's a box for food. Open it and eat the food. And I discovered that there's not cereal in it. I ate the cereal. Uh, <laughs> but that box, like, I don't know, it just continues. To, it's not the thing that I would have thought is like, if I saved one thing from Attack the Clones era merchandise, it might mm. be this cereal box. You never know. Yeah. Yep. So true. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on this? Uh, great question, Ken. No, I, other than I, I, I have a date with my storage shed soon. Like I, I know I have to get out there and really start looking at what I want to do with some of it and not because I'm planning for uh, uh, leaving this uh, mortal realm, but just like uh, I've been saying to myself, like I really need to see what's in there and remember what's there. And then maybe I can make a determination of what will go. So yeah, it reminds no. me to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can uh, we can keep talking both on air and off <laughs> about how to handle our collections. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for some more Jawa talk and more in just a moment. And we are back to continue answering questions of the Force using our souls and the Internet to attempt answers to the questions of the Force. We're going to our patrons from Patreon. We have a great question here from Maddie Gunner. It's time to get into Tika. Maddie says, what do you guys think happened to Tika after Obi-Wan left to save Leia? Uh, Ken, I I think we both probably have some deep uh, Tika headcanon. So, what is yours? <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, Maddie's uh, we got we got to spend some time with Maddie at Star Wars Celebration. He, he's uh, from London. He's in a uh, like a heavy metal band called Mourner. He's a great. Uh, you, you can want to talk music with him. He's your guy. So, Maddie, uh, thanks for this question. I I love Tika, by the way. I, I think I'm gonna have talking about collecting. I think that Tika Black series is is uh, got my name <laughs> on it. Just love Tika. I really do. Um, so, you know, I, number one, there's, I guess there's the immediate uh, idea, right? Like what happens like that week <laughs> and there might be a little bit of a uh, shady activities from Tika. Like, wow, those look like Kenobi's back. I'm going to take some of these parts back uh, and resell them to him. Um, he is a bit of a scoundrel, but a lovable one. I uh, jump into the end of, of my daydream of Tika. I envision a long, healthy life for Tika. Um, and he didn't get caught up with the tragedy around the Lars droids, even though we were joking about him maybe being involved earlier. Mm. I, I think he may have got tired of the nomadic life, set up a shop in Moss Espa, and become one of the more successful Jawa junk traders. And that almost like it's a little bit of a pawn shop, a little bit of pawn stars, Tika here. Uh, and that uh, he just, he was a different kind of Jawa with a different view on how to do things. Not not to just conflate all Jawa narratives into one one story, but yeah. Tika with such short screen time truly captured our hearts. Uh, I have a Tika three and three quarter action figure coming eventually that I pre-ordered. Yeah. Um, so is there any possibility that Pelimoto dated Tika? Yes. And are you suggesting that that's who she's referring to? <laughs> like Possibly. is this a connected universe now shared <laughs> i mean it's all connected universe. But yeah but like a yeah. real beat for beat uh, one yeah yeah i think so tika uh, tika seems like he's, he's such such a charm to him that yeah. i could see him selling some parts and her saying yeah all right let's go down to he, the bar and grill he stole the control board from obi-wan's moisture evaporator and briefly pelly's heart and returned yeah. them both damaged awful yeah. awful tika um yeah, I, th- I think to, to Maddie's actual question here, I really like the idea that, you know, that obviously we, we know that Tika raids the cave. So uh, I'm sure he's, he came back and he raided the cave uh, to, mm-hmm. to pull his stunt that he does and maybe then came back again, like 
he, he's not back at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think by the time that we get that great scene where Obi-Wan is packing up, I think he's missing a lot. I think Tika mm. rated a lot, maybe as <laughs> uh, just being a Jawa and doing what Jawas do, but maybe out of just like, this is a way to like express concern. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Obi-Wan will, Obi-Wan will come find me if I really take a lot for him, you know? Mm, uh, like that. And then I think there's at some moment, you know, that he comes back where uh, Obi-Wan's packed up and the cave is empty, right? And that's just like a little heartbreaking scene to me that Tika walks in with like a bunch of Obi-Wan stuff to resell to him and Obi-Wan is just entirely gone. And at that point, does does Tika go on a mission tracking Obi-Wan to his new hut? Like, oh yeah. Months after Obi-Wan has set up shop, you know, I'm fascinated in A New Hope. Why Obi-Wan has a lot of stuff in his home. Is that all stuff that he's bought from Tika just to keep Tika thriving? I, I look. I think there's some. If we're looking at a season two in the great uh, Tatooine House Hunters episode that we want, <laughs> I absolutely think Tika tracks him down. That's a great idea. And that a lot of it, maybe including this, uh, some of the more fabled Obi Wan items, uh, come from Tika and his junk sale. Yeah, beautiful. Tika yeah. tracks him down and like, you are not escaping. You will purchase things from me, Ben Kenobi. Yeah, Ben Kenobi's looking to move into a modest hut in Tatooine. We've got three houses picked out. Great. (laughs) Yeah. My final Tika headcanon is I think he actually like tells uh, stories about Mm. uh, Ben Kenobi, Uh, maybe maybe songs uh, to spread the myth. And I like the idea that maybe Tika wrote a song called The Jedi Who Smelled of Meat. I forget he's such an insulting little jerk. Oh, but it's so fun. So fun. It is so fun. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Tika uh, thrived in a lot of ways after yeah. Obi-Wan left the cave. Uh, any other Tika thoughts, Ken? Uh, no. The only thing that it makes me think of uh, why I even like it more is, uh, you know, their uh, Jawas, uh, we're, we're just used to the storytelling being uh, in in for lack of a better term, packs, you know, it, it, you see them, there's tight, tight knit community, especially even in, in Mandalorian uh, chapter two, uh, the great stuff of off world Jawas, the patio up top. Uh, and even Pelimoda there, there's two, she's, you know, she speaks of them as uh, you know, the Jawas, but Tika just stands alone to me. And I, I, maybe there's a sand crawler out back and the, their friends are like, yeah, you go talk to the crazy old hermit. But I just think Tika just is a true individual. And, and uh, that's what I love. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what I love about that scene is Tika is is uh, fun and has personality, but there's also this great insight into Obi Wan. We you know we talked a little bit about joked about how Tika is a personal shopper and, and is going to help uh, Obi Wan, you know, keep a low profile and all that too. But like, you know, th- Obi Wan knows his name, right? It's the fact that yeah. they have a relationship and that there is respect, and he isn't just a random Jawa like. They have a back and forth. Obi-Wan uses his name. It's a really, really fun and rich scene that in so many ways, Star Wars has been doing this with, uh, you know, all all the people of Tatooine fleshing them out. And I think uh, Tika is a great step forward for Jawas (laughs) across the galaxy of storytelling. Yes. Love that. Excellent. We are going to move on then to our final question here. Uh, Staying in the sands of Tatooine. uh, That's just the way the questions happen to roll out this week. Our final question is from our patron on Patreon, Evan Osborne Lomax. Evan says, hello there, my friends. I have returned from the nether realm of the force. I need some more Kleeglar's content. This man loved his wife, Shmi. Could you imagine the joy he would have upon the discovery that his late wife had a grandson? 
Me personally, I would like to see old Grandpa Klieg bouncing baby Luke on his good knee. <laughs> <laughs> what say you, my friends? What Klieg content do you desire? Uh, Ken, we're going to get into answering this question, uh, but this is one where I did go to the internet for some mm. confirmation, and, and I want to uh, read some mm. of this clarifying stuff about the journey of Klieg Lars. Yeah. So according to reference materials uh, from both the era of EU legends and in modern canon, uh, the legends uh, uh, information comes from the Ask Lobot feature in the Star Wars Insider magazine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that in both of those eras, uh, we learned that Klieg uh, died uh, basically shortly after the events of Attack of the Clones uh, as a result of the physical injuries uh, from his encounter with the Tuscans and also from a broken heart. Uh, oh, here, here's, yeah. here's the passage uh, that uh, Wikipedia has that's under the canon tab. Klieg was bereft at the loss of Shmi, Shmi. while Owen uh, barely contained his anger as well. Beru remained steadfast and continued the family's work with the White Sons, even as Klieg and Owen dealt with the loss. After some time, Klieg was determined to continue the life he had worked hard to create on Tatooine and began working to make the Lars homestead an oasis of security in the desert. But he quickly began to fade as the tragedy continued to weigh him down heavily. The once strong man became weak even as time passed since Shmi's death, and he died from the wounds he received from the Tuscans and of a broken heart not long after her death. Klieg's body was, like Shmi's, placed in a coffin and buried next to hers. The Lars homestead was bequeathed to Owen and Beru, who married and sought to continue the family traditions. So... That's sad, right? That's uh, very sad. <laughs> very sad. <Sorry. laughs> oh, man. Uh, what, what's your emotional reaction to that? Were you aware of this, uh, you know, at least currently canon timeline that, that he was not alive to see baby Luke? Uh, yeah. And how do you feel about that? I, I do I do remember coming upon that at some point. Uh, the details totally lost me. Uh, I really uh, am glad that you... Uh, uh, brought it down. Uh, brought, no, no. Uh, gave us the details. Um, yeah, that that it's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. There's something I love about Klieg, and I talk about some of the things that uh, you know he maybe could have changed. But uh, I just I just love I love I love his part of the Star Wars story. It's it's pretty key, you know, to the the Skywalker family what he did and um, love and and care and empathy and 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 to have him uh, go before he gets to enjoy some of the stuff that came down the line. It is sad. Oh man. Yeah, it, oh, it's, it's very sad, but it is, I, I also like, like, there's the, you know, term on social media, which I'm a little conflicted by of, uh, you know, uh, calling people like, uh, oh, that's a wife guy, you know, somebody mm. who's like, like really constantly talking about their wife, very much loves their wife. There's none of these like old school, you know, jokes about it being a headache to be married. It's just right, right. Uh, I guess kind of like that Klieg is a wife guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just like, you know, if you have five minutes, I'd like to talk to you about Shmi, about how great my wife is. You know, yeah. uh, I, yeah. I, that, that I, I just love that part of the story that not only did uh, Shmi get out of the horrible life conditions that she experienced, but she got this, this time of just great happiness with Klieg. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that in mind, Let's actually answer Evan's question. Uh, what kind of Klieg content uh, do you want to see? 
So uh, answering first and just like what is what is possible versus some of the dream, dream stuff if he sees Luke. I, my, and I'll say this up top, minus adult-themed activities, okay? I would like a <laughs> short story about their first date. Like, mm. like post, she's freed, all the kind of stuff there. Get kind of those logistics out of the way. And just kind of it, 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 it celebrate them as a, as a, as, as a, I was going to say young love, but uh, Klieg seems like he was born old. Uh, no disrespect to Jack Thompson who played him. He played him wonderfully. It's just an old, uh, old desert uh, uh, grump. Um, but you make this like a real, just a real, real Disney lady in the tramp vibe type of story, whether it's a short story or, or a one hour uh, movie. I don't know. So it's so a romantic, uh, you know, romantic comedy over a shared plate of Tatooine pasta and Ronto meatballs. So we can just kind of see how it plays out there and just uh, spend time in that and spend time with, with uh, Shmi's choices in that scenario, what she thinks about this and, and how, you know, uh, her, her newfound uh, freedom and what that means to her and, and, and and what he means to her and his part in that. I think it'd just be real sweet. Young, yeah. Younger Klieg and uh, Shmi uh, in love. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm really with you. We've got this book coming that is uh, Han and Leia's honeymoon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I say let's follow that up with Klieg, Klieg and Shmi's honeymoon. Probably an anchor head, right? Probably <laughs> yes. not anywhere too terribly fancy. Uh, there's some great stuff about that in the Kenobi book of like what counts as a fancy date on Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> and where yeah. do you go for that? Uh, but I love the idea of you know, that, that voice is so great of Kleegs. And just, I, well, I don't have much, but uh, yes. I'd like to take you into Anchorhead. Um, <laughs> and the idea that this would be like kind of this meager honeymoon that Kleeg can provide and provide. Mm. And for me, it's just She's over the moon with this honeymoon. It's just quality time with a, a you know, a loving yeah. person. Uh, I would love that. And then this, this is a, a little twist. I feel like, you know, when they're having that real, like, those get to know you conversations. This probably wouldn't be on the honeymoon, but the get to know you conversations. Yeah. Um, when Shmi really opens up to Klieg and tells him about her son, Anakin, and, and brings up this Qui-Gon guy, I, I get the sense that Klieg would be jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that uh and that they'd have they'd have to work that out and Klieg would have to learn to not be mm-hmm. jealous when she mentions Qui-Gon. I agree with that. I, I am one who is uh whether we're joking about it or exploring it seriously, I I, I do uh believe that there was some uh, some heat 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 between Qui-Gon and Shmi and, and, and why wouldn't there be both ways? It it's it's the the knowing looks and the the yeah. kind arresting of hands on shoulders. Yep. Yes. I'm I'm here for uh, for that. Uh, and I, I, that, that's fun to imagine <laughs> the getting to know you conversations going mm. on. So yeah, I'd love, love in any way, uh, some more storytelling with Klee and Shmi. I also mm. would be really interested in, uh, you don't know, don't know where it would fit in, but like just kind of fun details of what does Luke know and think about Klee, right? Mm. Um, there's that passage in shadow of, uh, of the Sith where with time and distance and perspective, Luke is realizing what is kind of beautiful about Tatooine that he couldn't mm-hmm. when it was just this uh, rock that was far away from everything else that he wanted to get off of. Um, so Owen, we know, is not probably the most emotionally open mm-hmm. <laughs> parental figure. Uh, Baru is certainly much better. So, like, what do they tell Luke about Klieg? And, you know, could there be some, you know, tales of the Jedi, like uh, just short animated you know, uh, episode of uh, Luke being told about who Klieg really was. That, that, that's a great, 
That's a great idea because there's so many great things I think to take from Klieg, including empathy, action behind that empathy, uh, um, uh, and, and and just a, a loving, supporting uh, uh, person, like you're saying, and 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 a strength. I think anyone in Tatooine who survives long enough has a has a strength to them that uh, should be celebrated. So there's a lot there. Uh, yeah, sit down, sit down, little Luke. We're going to tell you about uh, about your grandpa. Yeah, yeah. And just to tie it all up, uh, I think Tika and Klieg probably knew each other, right? I uh, absolutely think so. And <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't think a lot of Tika's stuff got over on uh, Klieg. He, he knew the score. Yeah, I can absolutely see uh, a wacky comedy episode of the Klieg show where mm. he's going to propose to Shmi and Tika tries to sell him just some junk ring. <laughs> Just a, <laughs> like this is not a real diamond Tika, and I know yeah, it. This isn't real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want her. I don't want Shmi's finger turning green, Tika. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Any final Cleek thoughts? Uh, the only thing I was thinking is like, look, if we do get to see, if we were able to see like a, a fantasy like story where he, we see him with Luke, uh, which uh, we know now, not possible. Uh, I think that again, there will be some sweetness to the moment. I, I agree with uh, what Evan's suggesting here that there'd be a, you know, a very proud grandfather and, and mm-hmm. really respecting that legacy of Shmi to the rest of the Skywalker family. Uh, I think that'd be very I- important. Uh, but I also would definitely want a scene where Baru has to pull Klieg aside and say things like, Klieg, we don't call Tuscans that anymore. Okay. <laughs> I know what they did to me, but they, times have changed. We just, we, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't say that. Yeah. I think it would be an important conversation to have with Klieg. <laughs> yes. I think, uh, I think uh, Baru would help Klieg gently get into the future. <laughs> <laughs> be a little, be a little, uh, you know, Archie Bunker type of uh, atmosphere. Yeah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe that is part of the reason I, I like Klieg. Watched All in the Family. That's it. Come yep. uh, quite a lot growing up. Uh, so maybe there same. is a little of that vibe. Same. Same. <laughs> All right. And with that, we are wrapping up. Uh, we have the last several weeks been doing uh, the Power of the Light Side segment where we share something uh, from a patron on Patreon. Uh, just something positive about Star Wars a joyful moment, uh, a positive way that the the stories impact their lives or the way they process things, all that kind of stuff. If anybody is interested, any patron, patrons who are listening, there's a post up on our Patreon page that is a call for entries for Power of the Light Side. So if you're interested, just scroll down a few entries and you will find one for Power of the Light Side. If we get more entries, we will share them here. So uh, instead of sharing one, we are calling for entries if you're interested go ahead and write one we would love to share it ken with that where can people find us yeah you, we are the force center podcast feed we're on twitter at force center pod we're on instagram and youtube as well look for a new live q a coming your way friday july 29th is what we're scheduled at 4 p.m pacific we'll update you that uh, on that and uh, make it official with a tweet but get ready for that we have a lot of fun you can ask us anything interact with us live uh, via chat a lot of fun there all on our uh, youtube page you can subscribe there as well Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Just search, you'll find us. We're also now on Podchaser, where you can find us through there as well. And yes, I said that as uh, a Klieg Lars, not understanding exactly what Podchaser is yet. Uh, March, <laughs> uh, merch, uh, not March, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly if you choose at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to cadnapsock.com and all, for, for all the things I do, including my music show, Pop Rock and Radio, or a stand-up comedy like a big show July 30th at 
at Flappers in Burbank. Uh, Jake Lewis and Friends Fun Show. Come on out. Joseph, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, my other podcast, Obsessed, a book I wrote a while back called Comedy of Doom, if you're interested in that. All that stuff is on my website, including uh, updates to live shows. I have one in Minneapolis at the Great Convention Convergence in August. So you can check all of that out on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the selling ways of Tika, this has been Questions of the Force.